0: If I can provide value to a company without having to have tangible degrees or anything like this, is that possible? Once I saw that was a door that I could walk through, I started to run. And now I feel like I haven't stopped running ever since then and
1: I haven't looked back. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast, the podcast that helps aspiring data professionals land their next data job. Here's your host, Avery Smith. Before we get into this episode, I wanna say we're talking about landing data jobs without having a formal college degree. Now, am I saying don't go to college, college is a waste? No, I'm not. But if you find yourself in a situation where you don't have a college degree, I just want you to know it is possible to land a data job. We've had students go through the data analytics accelerator and go from a customer service call rep to a data analyst in about three months. If you want to learn more about the Data Analytics Accelerator, you can check the link in the description down below. Let's hop into the episode. All right, my guest today is Tishan Black, also known as the Six Figure Analyst. He is a highly skilled and experienced data analyst who has made a really remarkable career transition from customer service to data analysis, with a couple years of experience in the field and some really notable data contract jobs with global tech giants such as Google and LinkedIn, Tishan has a lot of really unique experience in the industry. He's committed to helping underrepresented individuals break into tech, Strives to bridge the gap between industry and everyday workers by facilitating opportunities and knowledge. So, making some great content on LinkedIn and on TikTok as well. T. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you.
0: Thank you. Glad to be here. I appreciate the introduction. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no problem. So we want to get to know you a little bit better. So help the audience know a little bit more about you. Feel free to introduce yourself and tell a little bit about your story.
0: Yeah, for sure. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Tashaun Black, the Six Figure Analyst. And essentially, like Avery said, I transitioned from customer service. I actually started off being a finance intern. So I was a quality assurance intern and went through a lot of different finance roles, ended up in customer service and kind of landing a CSM role, which kind of introduced me into the world of data, understanding how we use systems and how beneficial those systems are to companies and customers who are clients of certain businesses. So, this was like my huge introduction into the corporate world. But after being in a space for the past four, going on five years now, I'm, you know. Had the experience of being able to work for companies like LinkedIn at Google by working tech contracts and seizing a lot of those opportunities that normally wouldn't become available through full-time employment. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to dive in and get some more info out there.
1: Okay, perfect. So let's first start off with what degrees do you have? Like I'm assuming you graduated high school, is that correct?
0: That is correct. Yeah. So I have just a high school diploma. I'm currently enrolled in college right now. I'm pursuing my bachelor's in cybersecurity and information assurance. Really, I've been in school part time for two years and I've been in school like full time for another two. So, actively doing it, but I've always had to work. So, I immediately started working
1: as soon as I graduated high school. And yeah, this has been the process for me. So, you graduated high school and you're like, all right, I'm going to find a job. So, you work in these kind of like Customer service, the CSM, like you said, the customer service management roles. But then eventually, you get this business analyst job at this Angus Chemical Company before you start working these contract jobs at LinkedIn, the contract job at Google. Can you just tell us quickly how you got into that that first data job right here with Angus as a business analyst?
0: Yeah. So essentially, during my time at prior before, if anybody looks at my LinkedIn profile, coming from Cole Palmer. They're actually owned by the same parent company so i ended up transitioning from one role to the next and i was actually a customer experience rep but for the manager level and then i ended up just finding an opening they had an opening for a business analyst which was super entry level like i think i was getting paid like 14 an hour by being in that role but i understood the skill sets that it would allow me to have later on down the line and understanding the big picture of what I envisioned for myself. So when I took that role, it wasn't necessarily for what I could make or what I thought that I was going to be getting paid or trying to move up. It was more so about honing in on the skills that I wanted to learn, that I knew that I needed in order to make that jump to the next level. And from there, it was all about staying consistent, keeping my head down and working on tons of projects while I was there. So I feel like that gave me the introductory experience to be able to land contracts like LinkedIn and Google.
1: See, that's really impactful. And I really want the listeners to, to kind of, you know, hone in on this. When you're trying to land your first data job, one of the best places to get that first data job is actually your current company. So you were at this company, you were working this job, it had nothing to do with data analytics, but you started using data a little bit in your job. And then you saw an opening and you were able to transition internally. Sometimes when you're trying to transition into your first data job, you want to just think external, external, I want to work at this company, I want to work at this company, but really you could probably make that transition at your current company and just go from one division to another. And why is that easier? Because one, they trust you more. And two, you can work directly with the recruiter or the hiring manager. Like they know you, you already understand the company. It's like an easy fit for you. So that's one thing I really want to emphasize is sometimes it is easier to get that first data job by transferring internally. So that's what you did. You basically transferred internally. And then from there, you still have no college degree, but you were able to land these contract data jobs, I guess at LinkedIn was the first one. So here's the question that everyone's been dying to know. Do you need a college degree to land a data contract job? So
0: I'll speak from my personal experience. And honestly, I think that for everybody that's listening, understanding that being in tech or being a tech worker does not necessarily mean that you are within the tech industry. When I first started off, I was working within a chemical company that was distributing chemicals and parts and labor. So a lot of that for me was just an understanding of the scope of the role. I will touch on a little bit, and I know we'll speak about this a little bit towards the end of the episode, but the biggest thing for me was just being able to understand, okay, how valuable am I to a company? And touching back to what you mentioned, as far as internally growing, the biggest thing that I understood, regardless of what position that I was in, was that companies will mold you if they see that you are worth the investment. A lot of times people don't understand that companies are taking a chance on you. They're betting on you. They are investing in you. And that $18 or that $20 that you're getting paid is a lump sum salary that they have to cough up to be able to devote that to somebody that Will be impactful for their company so the biggest thing for me was understanding where do i hold value and how valuable am i if i can provide value to a company without having to have tangible degrees or anything like this is that possible once i saw that was a door that i could walk through i started to run and now i feel like i haven't stopped running ever since then and i haven't looked back so For me, just having a high school diploma without an associate's degree, without a college degree, like a bachelor's degree or a master's, I know a lot of people listening do have formal education. And don't take this the wrong way when I say that a college degree is not needed. While it is very much beneficial to have based on your experiences, based on the industry that you're in and based on company needs, I do feel that there are a lot of opportunities out there that can be made. And people just aren't aware of that.
1: Yeah, that's actually like a really excellent point. When I posted that we were doing this, this session live together, we got some feedback on one of the LinkedIn posts and someone said, I don't feel like this is like something we should really promote Avery. Yes, some people can land data jobs without a degree, but that's like the exception versus the rule. And I think that we really need to emphasize in this episode that we're not saying a college degree isn't helpful like it definitely can be helpful it's just that if you're in a situation where you don't have a college degree it is possible and i think that's what we want to show is it's we're not saying you don't go to college don't get a college degree it's just like this other opportunity does exist and if you know if it fits to your your situation you know you're not screwed you're not stuck you're not like stuck in a hole that you can't get out of you can break into tech like you said without a college degree does the college degree help sure I have a master's degree. Does my master's degree help? Sure. There's pros and cons to these different programs and things like that. But the point is, if that's out of your reach or you don't want to do that, there's possibilities open. That's what we're trying to convey. Does that make sense?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I think the biggest thing too, to also touch on, for me, I've always had a personal goal. I believe in something that's called running a marathon and that anything that I'm doing right now is my victory lap. So I've always understood that regardless of the situation that I was in, coming from a type of situation where coming fresh out of high school, I didn't have the most money to be able to pick and choose which university I wanted to go to or what school I wanted to pursue, but I wasn't going to let that stop any of my progress moving forward. I think that how you move through difficult situations determines what type of person you are and staying resilient and being able to work through all of the obstacles and see the brighter side of it definitely does make all that the difference. So I think that degree, no degree, certification, no certification, if you have the ability, the heart, the drive to want something, and you know that this is something that you want, I think the possibilities are.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think what you said earlier was really important. If you want to work in tech, you don't have to be in the tech industry even, right? You can work in tech in the chemical industry like you did, or you can work in tech in the energy industry like I did, or you can work in tech inside of fashion, inside of agriculture, inside of manufacturing, like we sometimes think that tech jobs have to be either at Apple, Amazon, you know, Facebook, Google, right? But there's tech jobs everywhere. And I think sometimes that's hard for people to wrap their head around, that even though if it's not like a tech company, every company is a tech company now and they all need data analysts. So I also loved that you mentioned, that was like a really important part, I thought we should rehash.
0: No, for sure. And you know what? I actually think that as far as how it goes from understanding what a data analyst does, I honestly believe that regardless of we're seeing a lot of changes as far as AI evolution, as far as ChatGPT, GPT, as far as a lot of different industry things that were norms that are changing where people's jobs and their careers could potentially be impacted 20, 30 years down the road. But one thing that I can say as far as speaking in the present is that we don't have tomorrow, so live for today. So as far as being within the industry of being a data analyst, I think that is, if not the most important, is one of the most important Roles that you can have at any industry. Like you mentioned, whether that's oil and manufacturing, whether that's transportation, whether that's fintech, whether that's working in customer experience, software development, any of these industries all need someone who can look at data, interpret it, and tell a story with it. And I think that is what will separate the difference between a lot of people that look at it like, oh, I'm just cleaning data, I'm just pulling data, I'm just, do I really have the code? The biggest piece is really just being able to explain and understand what it is that you can do. So I think that's like another huge point. for.
1: So let's talk a little bit more. How did you land these contract jobs? So the first one was with LinkedIn. You don't have a college degree. Were you working on certifications at this time or anything?
0: So no industry standard certifications. What I did was I took a chance by trying to just better myself and hone in on my skills. I took one of the Coursera Google data professional certifications.
1: Believe it or not,
0: I was speeding through it. If anybody has taken that, they know it's at your own pace, you can complete it. And I essentially was going through and getting my mind wrapped around what it was that I was going to be doing, even though I was already a business analyst one. So the biggest thing for me was, okay, learning the skills and working on the projects. There's a capstone project at the end of the Google data professional certificate. I took that project, did it. And believe it or not, actually every interview that I've had, I've never once been asked for my portfolio or to show a project. It's been more so to work on something that they gave me directly and see how I interpret that data. But yeah, no major industry certifications, which is why I tell a lot of people on TikTok and one of the videos went viral a little bit. People were just like, Confused that this is a thing that the same certification they're seeing on- online with 7,000 people have downloaded this or 10,000 people have downloaded this and they're working on it, that they can also do that and land a job in itself. While it might not be the biggest big tech company or it might not be a global corporate giant, there is a lot of roles out there, especially ones that are going to pay you. I really don't know another job that you can step into and make 70, 75K off the bat with no college degree whatsoever, and then increase your salary by being in the
1: industry. Yeah, it's definitely a really great career. Okay. So you're doing the Google cert, you do the capstone, but how do you get linked linked up with LinkedIn? How do you find out about this contract? Tell us a little bit more about that process.
0: Yeah. So the biggest thing for me was understanding how was I going to land a role? I didn't necessarily know that it was going to be at like a LinkedIn or a Google for a contract working through an agency third party. But what I did need to understand was what it was that any company was looking for. So what I used to do was go and even though I was applying like mass applying to jobs on LinkedIn, what I will also do is go and look at who the recruiter was for that specific post or that specific job that was posted. And I will go connect with that recruiter network with that recruiter, and then essentially see how I could be a good fit. I would also go and look at the job description, look at what they were looking for, certain skills and certain requirements that were going to be done in the day-to-day process, and understand, okay, how can I effectively do this? So the biggest thing is that I understood that my competition as far as going through this career path was going to be people that were more technically sound than I was originally stepping in. So for me, it was just about being able to effectively communicate and expand on how well I understood what it was that I was going to be working on. A lot of times, companies will take a chance for you and sometimes open that door. Like I mentioned, I was getting super low pay in comparison to what my latest contracts have been. But for LinkedIn specifically, I was mass applying, going through, and an agency ended up seeing my profile on Dice. If anybody is familiar with Dice, they're similar to Indeed or LinkedIn when it comes to job postings. So they ended up seeing my profile on there as far as the certain key technical skills that I was listing that I had learned over a period of being in the position already, learning from the certification and different courses and YouTube work. Big plug right here. But Alex, the analyst was a huge, huge impact on me for sure, as far as going through the YouTube content and understanding how to work on projects. So when it was time for me to actually speak with recruiters, I'm thinking like, there's tons of people calling, like, people are probably already in the interview process, but I was like, let me go for it anyway. So I ended up just being able to explain what I understood from a customer development standpoint and a customer success standpoint. When I actually landed that contract at LinkedIn, it was a data analyst role, but it was a customer success analyst. So it made it easier for me to be able to transition into that role because I had already had customer service experience, not to mention being a business analyst level one for a few months. but. I would say when I landed that contract, that was probably, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was like October of 21, 2021. And this was two months after I had completed the Google certification. So it felt like a huge win for me. and my. I think it was a big win.
1: I want to like hone in kind of on something you just said, you know, on your data journey, you may not be the most technical person on planet earth. You might not be the best at Tableau. You might not be the best at SQL, but guess what? The best people, the best technical people do not always land the best jobs. Like your technical skills are just one facet of the portfolio of who you are. And so there's people out there who are less technically skilled, less technically gifted than you who are landing a job over you because they're willing to put in the work to show themselves off, to market themselves, to make LinkedIn posts, to have a portfolio, to send cold messages to recruiters. And so I love what you said that it's basically like, I'm not the most technical person on planet earth. There was probably better qualified technical people, but I made a connection with someone and that made the difference. Is that kind of what I understood? Definitely for sure.
0: And also I think just being able to have that communication of being able to explain what it was that I already knew. And being honest and being upfront about what I didn't know, but what I had an interest in. A lot of times during interviews that I've had and contracts that I've worked, if it comes to a specific skill, like I remember at one point I had no idea how to use SQL. And that was like a big thing for me, like using SQL as far as in the day-to-day scope of the role. And I was like, I have no idea how to use this, but I have an interest. I had already been learning R in school. I had already been learning Python as well, like during my curriculum. So I was like, this is something that I can learn. And I just haven't had that experience. So after going through that process, a recruiter reached back out and they're like, you know what, we actually want to see how you perform. I had moved on to the next stage. I ended up getting a take home project where essentially I had to perform the work and provide value for what they were showing me. I can't say specifically what it was, but anybody that goes through any project stage of an interview process knows that If they give you a take-home project, you usually have about three days or two days to turn this back over. And it's usually within side of Excel. So being within customer experience and customer service, I had already had tons of Microsoft Office experience. So being able to hone in on Excel and be able to go deeper into VLOOKUPs, into pivot tables, into creating visualizations within Excel, that was the introduction of showing, hey, I can do this. I just don't know specifically going through that process. They definitely took a chance on someone who they thought would be a potential fit. And I definitely feel like I gave great impact to that. Team.
1: Yeah. Communication is really key. That's one thing that actually, you know, in the few interactions that you and I have, I've always thought that you've actually, you're actually a really good communicator. So if you can get that across to someone quickly in an interview process, I think that goes a long way okay switching gears here a little bit so sometimes i have students or i'm working with people and they're like i'm a little nervous about a contract job can you just walk us through what your experience with the contract job was like did they treat you well do you feel like there was any like shenanigans like going on or was it all good
0: yeah i'm not gonna lie i feel like working contract jobs has probably been one of the biggest blessings that i've ever fallen into uh, i think that a lot of people will get misconstrued with the narrative of Oh, you don't get benefits as a contractor. Oh, you're not directly employed through the company. But I think that being able to work on projects and a collaborative effort to be able to efficiently show hey, even though I didn't work directly at Google, I worked a contractor. And this is what I did during my time there. Just to be able to show how well rounded you are in your role. And this goes for any industry that you're in. Just looking at it from a broad perspective. Agency is a third party recruitment. So I look at agencies like they are the middleman between you and your next opportunity. When you speak to a recruiter, regardless of agency or not, but specifically for agencies, you should always treat that's the first interview. This is essentially the call that they're going to go through. They're going to look at your experience. They're going to talk with you about the role and see if you might be a potential fit you should be selling yourself. So the biggest thing that I've always told people is you need to be selling yourself. Even if it's not salesy, sell yourself. You should be explaining why you believe that you will be as impactful compared to the next candidate. So going through working with multiple agencies, actually have benefits through their agency that you can opt into, 401k, health, vision, dental, and still be able to get all those great benefits aside from a retirement account, maybe depending on what the agency is. The only cons to working with an agency that I personally feel is for one is lack of job security. If you're working a contract, the biggest thing is that you could probably see a contract that is 12 months with a possible extension. If you work the 12 months and then you end up getting laid off or the contract just ends, or whatever might happen, a lot of people will be like, Oh, like now I'm unemployed. But While there might not be a lot of full-time roles that are opening up, especially during a lot of what we've seen with the tech layoffs and a lot of what's been happening with mass tech layoffs, it's still become available because they don't have to put so much in to get an employee to come work for them. So understanding that and understanding that essentially they're still just looking for someone that's going to be valuable to the company for a specific period of time, it's like taking advantage of that. You have to go and take advantage of that because I've seen people get converted on contracts where, you know, being one or two months in, you thought you were going to be on contract for 12 months and now you have a full-time employment at Microsoft or at whatever company that you might be aiming for specifically. So I definitely think that for pros, it's better opportunities and a higher earning potential because for me, when I was working a lot of like full-time roles You can negotiate, but I found that it was easier for me to negotiate contracts than it was full-time employment because, like we mentioned, not having a college degree and negotiations for a full-time employment role where I already didn't have experience wasn't going to allow me to get where I needed to be. But coming on contract, I learned something. And the reason I learned this was one day is because somebody who's in the industry, they told me, they're like, next time, like, just ask, what's the budget? Don't ask, don't tell them exactly what you were making in your last role. Asked what's the budget? And ever since then, I have never been undersold as far as what I got from a compensation standpoint. It's always been, hey, what are you looking for compensation-wise? And my immediate response is, it all depends on what the budget might be. What would the budget happen to be or what is the range of compensation for this role? Because you might sell yourself short. And definitely for anybody that's listening, if you come in and you know you were making like 25 in your last role, Don't say that you were making 25 in your last role, just let them know that you would like to know first what the budget is that ideally you're looking to be within this range, but you're open to budgets and that will allow you to be able to assess whether going with that agency will be the right pick for you. But definitely was a pro for me.
1: Yeah. I love a lot of the stuff that you said there. I think one of the best things about contracts, like when you don't have, for instance, in your case, like the education, or you might not have the experience. You know it's not the worst thing on planet earth that you're going to get a contract that you know is let's say is between three and 12 months having that on your resume at least gives you experience and then from there you can always go and get another job if you guys have ever been to one of my free career data career trainings i talk about this if you haven't there will be a link in the podcast episode down below definitely come attend but one of the things i talk about is like you have a goal to go from where you're at to an amazing data job there's nothing wrong with taking an intermediate step, like a stepping stone job that gets data on your resume. Maybe it helps you work remote. Maybe it increases your salary 10%. But having that, for instance, even just six months on your resume is going to make you such a better candidate. It's gonna get you paid so much more at your next job that can be like a 50% raise or even a 100% raise. We've had some students do. So there's nothing wrong with that intermediate stepping stone job and like stepping into a contract role, even though it's not necessarily the most secure, it's actually could be good that it's not secure because as soon as you hit that three month mark at your contract, you're immediately worth more money than they're paying you probably. So you can go get more money some, somewhere else. So I'm with you. I don't see a whole lot of cons to these kind of contract roles.
0: Yeah, neither do I. And you know what? A lot of people, like you mentioned, people that either have not been in this industry, people that have been in this industry, but have only been geared towards a specific sector of what it is, Of How to navigate this industry, I think that's a huge thing. For me, I've actually realized that most people don't know how to navigate their career path. A lot of people will follow a very traditional sense of, hey, I want to work here. Let me go get the formal education. I go through, I get it. I land this job and then I stay here and then I retire which is perfect, but then what happens when you get laid off from that dream job? Or what happens when that company closes down or when they close that location or when they don't have the finances to have a full 16-member team and they have to make some budget cuts? Being a contractor, while you might still get laid off, you'll be able to pick up another contract immediately depending on what opportunities are available. And honestly, like I've literally seen it. I've had to turn down multiple offers within the same week leading up to the Google contract offer, where going through that process was like, okay, these places want to pay me this, but the contract is shorter, but this one is a guaranteed 12-month contract. So I think another thing is just also knowing when to say no. I think that sometimes people will be like, I have to take this opportunity. And I don't believe in that. I truly believe that If you are seeking a certain role or if you see yourself moving to another level or going into the direction of being a data analyst or a data scientist, or maybe you want to transition to project management, I think that going through and understanding first what it is that you do is one. Understanding how impactful you are is two. And then seeing where can you fit with your personal goals. If that doesn't fit, I don't think that you should just go for it just because they're paying you. Sometimes you have to really be strategic about how you switch jobs or how you job hop?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think at the end of the day, job security is a figment of our imagination. It does not exist. The best way you have job security is by being really good at what you do and building a really strong network. That is the only job security that actually is real. I worked for one of the biggest companies in the world, ExxonMobil. They always prided themselves. They'd never done layoffs. COVID happened. They did layoffs right? And so I thought when I was signing up, I was like, I'm in the most, you know, one of the most powerful companies in the world. I'm going to be here for years. I only made it about two years. And really, it's just because job security is all about who you are and about who you know. It has nothing or very little to do with the companies you work at in my mind.
0: I definitely 100% agree with that too. I think that while companies might say that They believe in company culture and, you know, that they love everyone and they wish they could keep everyone. They will not keep everyone. And turnover is bound to happen at a certain point. So that's why I always preach, know exactly how much you're worth. And if, you know, a company is not a good fit for you or you see a potential decline and the success that you envision there, sometimes it's best to leave and get up out of there before, you know, you be replaced. People don't think that because they're full time employees that they can be fired or they can be replaced. The biggest thing I want to say is that contract or full time employment or part time or volunteer, every time that you sign HR paperwork and onboarding paperwork, you sign something that's called an at will clause, which says at will, the company can terminate you. In fact, for any reason, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be explained to you in that way. So with that being said, understanding that companies can replace you and they can get rid of you so quickly just with the next talent. It could even be AI, like we said earlier, but looking at it from that perspective, I would be scared to be in a certain kind of role where I thought that I was going to be there permanently and then fell on hard times. So I always have been open to the idea of working contracts, working with agencies, keeping my network boosted, working with recruiters through LinkedIn, actively calling recruiters even if they haven't responded back to me, just, hey, keep me in mind if you see this next role open or if you have an opportunity to come across Please keep me in mind. Here's my resume let's see if my skills line up. And if you send enough of those, trust me, a recruiter will definitely reach out to you.
1: Yeah. I love that. I do want to say, I don't think AI's take, the only way that AI takes anyone's data jobs is if you don't use AI. I don't think it's actually actively coming for us. Okay. Without going into specifics here, can you just talk a little bit about what you did on a day-to-day basis tools were you using what were the tasks and obviously don't go into depth like to the point where you can't but generally speaking like in these types of roles what type of things were you doing
0: yeah so ideally a lot of what i can say as a generalization across all the roles that i've worked contracts on as a data analyst is data cleaning i think that the data manipulation and the data cleansing process as a whole you will see that at any company that you work with. So this is data pulling, data cleaning, using SQL, using certain companies like, for instance, Google uses Google Plex Studios, which is public for anybody. A lot of these different softwares will be your data cleaning, even Excel for data cleaning, to parse data, to manipulate data in any kind of way. Then understanding how to visualize data. I had to then be able to create graphs, create visualizations, bar graphs, charts, Essentially, a visual showing that I was going to show stakeholders, clients, or even internal cross-functional teams what type of value that we needed to see. So for me, like I mentioned, starting off early on, I wasn't necessarily using SQL a whole lot, but it was a little bit in there. The biggest thing that I probably was using, which is one of my strongest skill sets, would be Tableau. I think that using Tableau was almost as easy as using Excel. And I see I think you put a post up not that long ago asking people what their preference was. If they could get rid of one, what would it be? And a lot of people were saying Excel, which is crazy because for that one, I think that's a main key component. If you're trying to become a data analyst, if you're already in this field but you don't know enough Excel, please brush up on your Excel skills. Having advanced Excel skills will be the difference between you and that next career jump for you. So that was one of the first things. Understanding the entire data process, you can go to course, you could take the IBM certification for data analyst, and they will give you an introspective visual of what it's like to actually go through this whole process and how to do it. The other things that I was working on, more so generally, but specifically, was I've had experience working within the supply chain industry, as well as working for software development for customer service. During my time at LinkedIn, that was a lot of just being able to show customers how valuable their recruiters were performing on LinkedIn, which for me, felt like a plug because while I was explaining to them how valuable or how effective they were using the LinkedIn platform to find talent, where they were losing talent to, how they could gain more talent, et cetera, I was also understanding for myself how recruiters interact with potential candidates. So I was taking that very deeply within myself. It's looking like the ratio between people that are sending in mails and people that are actually opening and responding to it is lower. You have more people reaching out about a job than you have recruiters responding to messages about a job. So I figured, okay, I won't put all my eggs in one basket. Let me message every recruiter. So that was a huge plus that I learned from being within the industry. And then The biggest thing too was communication skills. I think that having communication skills was a super plus for me. Just being able to piggyback off of creating a visualization, you might be able to clean data, you might be able to pull it and know all the technical components like we mentioned, but when it's time to actually present it, you can't do that. And I think that a lot of times that's what companies were looking for. So once I understood that stakeholders clients customers they don't care what the data says they only care about the why and the answer to their question and really that's nine times out of ten return on investment how revenue is generated or looking at specifics of whatever industry you might be in during my contract at google this was supply chain so being able to accurately forecast products or different materials that were being shipped out that was a huge thing because while I can show you graphs all day long and show you of lines of information, the biggest question is, how did the EMEA region perform last quarter? Or how did the APAC team perform last quarter? Or how did they look over a last 12-month period? So just being able to explain that, I would say that those are like the top three most important things that I have done as far as being a data analyst. And I think that most people will find that they do similar things regardless of what industry that they're in. So regardless of, you know, transportation or software development, you're still going to have to explain to a key stakeholder or a customer or a client or a higher level upper management, what it is that we're looking at. Because since you are the one that is cleaning, manipulating this data and going through all these different processes of figuring out what exactly is behind the ones and zeros, they want to know that answer. So that was a big thing for me. And once I understood that, I felt like it allowed me to be able to understand this career path of data analysis long-term.
1: Awesome. That's, yeah, I love it. Basically, data cleaning, data visualization, data communication. Those are the three things you do as a data analyst. I love it. Thank you so much, Tashan. I appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast. We'll have all of Tashaun's links down below, but make sure you guys go click on those and check him out. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, Tashan. Really appreciate it.
0: Of course, I'm glad to be here. And I hope that uh, you know everybody that's listening definitely caught some good information because I feel like the mission that I've made it to break into tech and help other people break into tech is something that will continue to live on. You're doing the same thing. We have tons of creators and people that have been within this industry that are showing it is possible to get in and not have to go a traditional route. So I thank everybody here that comes from different diverse backgrounds, that comes from different educational backgrounds, for listening to this and understanding that we are all one part of one big data family, essentially.
1: I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, I'm going to have an awesome free masterclass that I know you're going to love. We're going to talk about a lot of things this episode talked about. You can get it absolutely for free at com slash training or using the link in the show notes down below. Hope to see you there.